gonna be able to call the place. Yes, sir. 22 rocket on hit. 22. 20, 22 rocket. I can't hear you. 22. I can't 20. hear you. 22. 22 Listen rocket. Listen to me, you're QB1 of the Dillon Panthers. Your teammates, if they can hear you, they will believe in you. Now you let it out until it hurts. You understand me? 22. 22 rocket. Hit it, hit it. What's your name? Matt Saracen. What you play? Do me one. Who do you play for, Saracen? Dillon How much do you want this? I want How much do you want this? I want it. Then take it. Do it again. 44 crossfire. How's it going, everyone? My name is Joe Bettner. Spencer Davis, how are you? Doing great, man. How are you? I'm great. We're in different cities. And yeah, we are. We're different states, even. We've been in different cities before. Now we're in different states. It's, yeah, with that, that is true. Um, and we're also in the middle of the pandemic. Which That's new. <laughs> is very different from the circumstances from the last time we recorded. When was the last time we recorded? I. It's been a minute. Believe it's been a while, and it was I know pre-pandemic. It, kinda, it seemed it seemed a little abrupt, I'm sure, to a lot of you. But you know, things get a little. I mean, I guess it's kind of fitting for season two and the writer strike. February third is the last episode we put out. We were playing the long con for sure. We this was part of our plan, uh, but Taylor Made is back, and right now, as we recorded this back in earlier in the year, Friday Night Lights was available on Amazon Prime and obviously DVD and Blu-ray. I think Hulu too, right? Hulu came along, I think, a little bit okay. later um, after kind of after we got done recording because now i saw i i just I've, I've been watching it on hulu but now nbc has its own streaming service called peacock which is free with ads and then five dollars a month so if you're trying to catch up on and this is not a plug we're not, we're not we don't have an ad here we don't have a sponsor <laughs> but we do love this show a lot and if you want to follow along with the episodes as we break them down Peacock uh, is the new streaming service where Friday Night Lights can be found. You can also get it on Hulu, Amazon Prime. So there's a lot of different places to watch it. And um, we're very excited that it's available to more people because I think that, as you kind of saw with like the Netflix thing, like the show just kind of gained more and more popularity. And I think this is going to really expand its audience even more. Um, and we'll get into this end of the episode, but man, there's so many relevant storylines to like today's politics and whatnot. It really, it is kind of, I mean, as much as season two has aged poorly, it some of <laughs> some things have aged well. Yeah. Well, yeah. Just like things we're still talking about. At yeah. This point. yeah that, that's so, what I mean. Yeah. Um, but I am now the uh, sports editor for the Norman transcript. Um, Spencer, you are now um, in Kansas city. Just I'm in Kansas, Kansas City, Missouri. My wife has started a residency at Children's Mercy Hospital. So we're, uh, you know, we're all doing good. I'm glad that you're doing great. And uh, 
Hope you guys are doing great as well. We're really excited to be getting back into the swing of the podcast and appreciate you guys if you're still subscribed to it on your podcast feeds. And if you um, are listening to this and maybe haven't given us a review yet, uh, we would love a review after, maybe after you're done listening to the episode, we don't want to like force you into a rating or review, but once you're done, you know, if you feel a five-star rating and review, it would really help get the word out about the show. Maybe tell your friends, hey, these guys are doing a Friday Night Lights podcast. And I know that you, Jim, and this is imaginary person, love Friday Night Lights and you might like this podcast. So anyway. Um, I'm, I'm going to surprise you here with a, uh, a bit that I, that I thought of about an hour before we started recording. Um, I want to, to do sort of an experiment where we consider how Friday, Friday Night Lights characters would have handled a mask mandate during the coronavirus <laughs> oh my god I, I have some thoughts um i, I so I'll, I'll start with coach taylor i've got i've got i've got scenarios written down for most of the characters there's a couple that uh we could maybe come up come up with something with but mm-hmm. um but i don't have anything written down but coach taylor i think he is resistant until he realizes that his season is at stake i i think that coach taylor would be like really gung-ho about it at first because like tammy's super into it and i okay. don't want to i don't want to spoil one but i feel like he would be like really into it at first he but he would definitely like be wearing the mask wrong like he wouldn't have his nose covered. <laughs> that's a great note uh yeah tammy I, I i you know we're sitting here on july 16th oh it's your birthday it is my happy birthday. birthday joe <laughs> happy birthday joe it's joe's birthday everyone go tweet at joe happy birthday yesterday even though you're you're hearing this on the 17th um but it's july 16th and uh tammy has definitely been wearing a mask since like april 3rd there's like there's no way that she just wasn't an early adopter of the mask even before even when fauci and everybody was saying you don't need to wear one like tammy was wearing a mask yeah no i think tammy definitely would be like we'd get so many scenes in the yeah. hallways of like guys wear your masks and she would just yeah. be like chasing probably gets into a fight with the school the nurse who's like not super into it yeah um the school she'd get she oh she would definitely get in a fight with the school, bo- school oh, board oh yeah about like oh my gosh like, she'd be at these the kids masks. for sure uh meanwhile julie is just on just like watching fox news and oan getting like this is a violation of my personal liberties oh, like no. she is I, I feel like she's so she realizes that this means a lot to her mom and she's like you know what i'm gonna swerve and just goes the other way and says I'm not wearing a mask. Oh, yeah. Julie's the perfect heel to whatever Tammy says. So I, I, I at yeah, first I, I wasn't think, with I you, and I was like, I think oh, she I just realizes, oh, my mom thinks this, and like she's just all about being so independent, and like doesn't want to be told what to do ever, and it's just, I, I think maybe she's not actually watching network news, but she's she's kind of reciting those talking points. I think, um, buddy. When he realizes football is at stake, he organizes a way to give away tons of masks for free, probably at his car dealership. Yeah, I could see that. I think also you could have probably put the whole like uh, the whole like foot the scene the game where they like yeah. have it like in a cornfield, and they like bit, like it's like I could see like some kind of dumb situation where Buddy's like, all right, here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna put it right here, and we're gonna put it, we're gonna make a bubble. And the guys are going to be there. We're going to test them, and uh, we're going to play on this makeshift field, and we're going to play for the Texas State Championship. Uh, Smash feels like the mask is hurting his chances with women. 
because they can't see his face i definitely feel like there's a really weird narrative that like masks aren't masculine which i don't get why yeah. that is like just like it's weakness which like i i just like i don't get how that's just it's like really it's silly. just yeah. supposed to protect you man from the virus but i yeah, feel like exactly. smash would be like man i'm not wearing no mask <laughs> i could definitely see him like just not being about it at all uh saracen is just doing whatever coach taylor does right like you mentioned earlier in the episode he's incredibly impressionable like whatever coach taylor says is what matt will put his full weight behind yeah and i, I mean i guess i'm looking at the, these through a lot of like scenarios i could see playing out i, I definitely feel like his grandmother would not she's like i'm like i'm however old like i'm not gonna spend my late years staying home and wearing a mask and like i'm gonna go out and like matt's like but 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 grandma you, you gotta wear the mask uh yeah <laughs> <laughs> coach 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 said we gotta wear our mask when we go out and she's like i'm not listening to you uh tyra realizes very early on that she can um buy masks wholesale and then sell them for a profit (laughs) Uh, (laughs) i uh i definitely could see that being a real possibility she would look it into as a business opportunity yeah, and you know, kind of hand in hand with that. This is the last one that I have. But Riggins is, by nature, is just anti-mask to a troubling extent. Just like the way that we're talking about with Smash, just kind of like the toxic masculinity, not allowing yourself to just wear a freaking mask. But then Tyra loops him into her business idea, and they just make they just share the profits. And Riggins is wearing a mask because of it. Alternate scenario: Tim goes to a store, and like the clerk's like, "Hey, man, I'm sorry, you, you got to wear a mask." He's like. I don't gotta wear a mask um and he's like no, last like, i checked i woke up in america yeah and like it becomes like a he like gets into the fi- a fight with like the clerk or something and he gets arrested and like coach taylor picks him up from jail he's like you got arrested for not wearing a mask <laughs> and tim's just tim's just dead silent the whole time eric's just like you gotta be real proud of yourself aren't you <laughs> just like you let the team down uh, who's the Karen that's like licking the store windows because they won't let her in without a mask? I, oh man. Is there, I don't know that there's anybody, like maybe Lila's mom or something. I don't know. No, Lila's mom is like with like a, like the California guy. I, well, I, I think he's from California or so. Anyway, she's with like a, like a liberal, yeah. A super liberal dude that's like, you know, mm-hmm. I feel like pretty progressive where she would be like, we, aren't taking this serious enough um i don't know it might be matt's grandma yeah that well that would be i don't think the writer I, like i as bad as the writers are i don't think they would do that to grandma saracen yeah but, but I, she's probably the one that is just like super resistant to it would it. just be sad seeing it more yeah. than anything what about um the two names that i wrote that i wrote down that i didn't have a scenario for are lila and street um what about landry and, Oh, and Landry too. Yeah. If there's anything, See, I always forget about Landry. If there's anyone that like would like definitely be bought into like a bunch of OAN conspiracies, I feel like Landry would be like <laughs> I was growing up Randy. Like he just up. he would he'd be just like I was watching OAN. They they think it's a government conspiracy. I think I mean I think Street would be I, I see I, I guess like with like Lila and Street, I feel like they're just they're not like I don't want to say they're not passionate people because you definitely see them like with Lila, like with like Christianity and like jason sometimes with just like wanting to be competitive like 
yeah. can be passionate there, but they're not very passionate people. I just feel like they're kind of they're very one-dimensional type characters that I feel like they'd just be indifferent. They'd be like, yeah, like I'll just, just wear a mask. Yeah. Um, Spencer, are you ready to break down season two, episodes seven through nine? As, as ready as I'll ever be. <laughs> All right. It's time for the two-minute drill. Let's start with season two, episode seven, Pantherama. What is probably one of the worst things for Smash Williams' ego, it is time for colleges to start courting the star running back. Smash has no interest in going to a prestigious academic school. He wants an NFL factory. Tim leaves his home because his brother is still with Jackie, so he crashes at Tyra's before moving in with Guy Raston, the creepy, gun-loving ferret owner. Meanwhile, Tyra is caught up in planning Pantherama, with Lila, Santiago is moving in with Buddy. Matt is caught between his girlfriend Lauren and his grandmother's in-home nurse Carlotta. Normal teenage things. Also, Julie is getting super close to her newspaper advisor, Mr. Barnett, and Tammy is not having any of it. Season 2, Episode 8, Seeing Other People. Matt is distancing himself even more from Lauren as he pursues a relationship with Carlotta, and Matt ultimately breaks up with Lauren by the end of the episode. Smash takes a recruiting visit to McNair State, where he spends the night on the side of the road in his boxers after hooking up with the team's star defensive tackle. Tim finds a meth lab at his new roomie's place. Tammy yells at Mr. Barnett in front of some students for getting so close to Julie, while Eric is mad at Tammy for basically the same thing for getting so close to Glenn. Landry is spiraling out of control. He meets with Tyra's attacker's brother, and he decides he has to confess. Season 2, Episode 9, The Confession. Matt and Carlotta are hooking up at the Saracen home. Tim is looking to get back on the football team. Jason reappears and he's looking for love himself. Santiago makes a big impact on the football field after some tough love from Buddy and Landry is doing everything he possibly can to get arrested. Somehow, someway, the police aren't going to press charges against Landry. All right, Panther Nation, it is time to turn on the projector, pull out a folding chair. It is time to look over the game film. We are going four downs. As we as we've done before, we are going four down, Spencer. Where are we starting off with? We're going to start out with. It was a tough decision, but we're we're going to start off with uh, Julie Taylor and her, I guess, uh, relationship with this uh, journalism professor slash just all the uh, you know journalism. Stuff. Okay, newspaper advisor, English teacher. Let's not. He had a year in the business. Okay, I mean, let's not call him professor. <laughs> In my notes, he's the uh, the J school teacher, but uh, yeah, yeah, no, he's yeah, his her, uh, I guess, um, fawning over him slash just the general dysfunction in the Taylor household through these uh, through these three episodes. It's going to be where we start off with. Um, I don't know, Joe. What, what what did you think of all this? Like, um, I mean, there's there's a lot to unpack here. The 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 Taylor girls julie and tammy both have their you know kind of i don't want to say tammy has a crush on glenn but there's some weird parallels between like tammy and glenn getting close and julie getting very close with her english teacher which to be fair i think that probably of all the teachers i had in high school and middle school english teachers were my favorite and i know that we are exposed to the fact that Julie does have a bit of a crush on her teacher, but it's nothing weird. I, I mean, I don't think it gets, uh, I, I hope it doesn't get weird. I can't like, once again, we're, we're diving back in and trying to remember everything. And boy, does it coming in with not much context or recap, make it somewhat of a weird rewatch, but 
I mean, I think for the most part, like he's just like he's just like a young teacher who's like connecting with a student. I don't think like there's anything weird going on right now. He's he kind of creeped me out from the beginning, and I think he was supposed to like the first time that you could kind of see him alone with Julie. It's like, man, that should be a little bit of a red flag. And in that sense, I think Tammy, which we see later, you know, I think it's in the episode eight, kind of blows up at this guy. Um, now that being said, this guy is not in episode nine. And he is yeah. not referred to at all in episode nine, despite this huge fight that Tammy and Julie had. Um, so I like, does he appear again at all in the rest of the series? I'm not, I'm not even sure that we see him again. The season two writers might've just kind of forgot about that whole thing. I mean, or just decided it was a terrible idea. I mean, it was just, it was like from one episode to the next, Julie was unbelievably mad about her mom doing this justifiably. So on some level, and then the very next episode, you get Julie like wanting to please her mom about this baby shower thing. It was just a very weird way that they handled all this. Yeah. I felt like there definitely is. I mean, I think the show is definitely trying to like come from like a predatory angle as far as like Noah, who's the English teacher. And I think it just like, I think at the core of it, I guess like part of me wants to believe the best in people because I had like a relationship kind of like that with like uh, an English teacher before, but it wasn't like I had a, a crush on them or anything like that. I was just like really close to them. Yeah. And obviously Julie, I think struggles a lot with identity as far as just like get, get I guess gaining acceptance from people that she admires and likes and doesn't get a whole lot of that at home. It doesn't feel like between Tammy and Eric yeah, living very separate lives from their daughter and you see that disconnect, I think, come up a lot where, the, you know, Julie's aunt is in town and she's kind of, you know, telling Tammy, like, do you even understand what your daughter is going through? Yeah. And thinking about the fact that like, what would you have thought if, if, if their mother had done something like Tammy did, which it was a little bit overblown, the fact that it felt very overdramatic with the whole, like, I cannot believe that you did this in front of the entire school. Like they're in a classroom and like, I'm sure like in yeah, passing, maybe dramatic. some kid some kids heard it, but like, why would you not close the door though? Yeah. Like you went into the classroom. It feels like you should have just been able to close the door. I don't know. But Julie, uh, Julie's struggling. And I mean, the, the, the kind yeah. of the, the, the part of it that I think can't go understated is that, she's really not dealing with the whole, you know, not having Matt Saracen in her life. And it's a good point. I don't think she's, I don't think she's like a self-destructive person in the, in the sense that like what she's doing with this teacher is like, it's necessarily bad for her because I think she obviously has a little bit of a crush and he's a young teacher. And that's like, I think the idea we're supposed to think, but it also does feel like she, you know, wants to have some type of like, partner emotional support and she kind of gets that from a guy that i'm not saying he's like matt but just like he recommends her books yeah and they talk about like they don't talk about football and yeah. so like you know she's kind he of meets her at like an, at an on an intellectual level at, you know which is a pretty low bar to meet in reality <laughs> but for julie like not very many people do that especially in, in texas town. <laughs> yeah in dylan texas her dad is the head football coach any amount of intellectual stimulation she gets is brand, you know, is something she jumps at. Um, so, I, I mean, I, I think that, you know, probably I would, 
I don't know. Like, it, it's weird to think of like what like your reaction would be as a parent if you thought like if you kind of your red flags went up and said like, oh, this is not good. Maybe my daughter should not be hanging out with this guy so much. Um, which like the closed door thing and like giving her like maybe suggestive reading materials, like you know, I can. I, I hear you on that, Tammy. Like that, that would, yeah, that would maybe rub me the wrong way. I don't know. We maybe don't know you shouldn't that. threaten prison, though. <laughs> well, and also like the whole like my husband will come down here and he'll and kick your you butt. Trap it, yeah, yeah. Just like it, just <laughs> that whole like it, it just feels like a Facebook comment come to life. Um, I think I think Tammy definitely needed to have a conversation with him about what was happening there, but it just should have been done with a little bit more tact. I think, yeah. uh, and everybody would have been happy. Um, I don't know. Cause the guy, he was a little bit weird, right? Like, he but also he may have just been young looking, uh, you know, and he so was it's very just young looking, but I also think the part of it, I think that is maybe, I don't know, lost, but like you kind of, when you go into this Dylan, Texas world, this is a very religious, very conservative town. And you kind of see like, this is like a young guy who I, I think, like just like i don't know maybe maybe i'm reading too much into this but just like um i and maybe this is just like the journalist in me coming out saying like, like oh he's a journalist he's probably liberal but like from his haircut to just like the way he like you know is just like connecting with julie it just yeah. seems like you know maybe that you know kind of type of person uh just inherently is not going to be viewed in a positive way by the people of dylan yeah and, i mean, I, I think that's a, a good point um but i was did, super excited for a, a journalism storyline <laughs> what, what did you think of the advice that he gave her he, he was like this is a good story but it's 500 words too long <laughs> well when they were talking about it at first and like saying like uh, i need a thousand words on this feature i was like i would never have ran a thousand words in a high school newspaper no um, and so that's why i was just like man this is kind of fun to pick apart but I mean, I don't think the average, uh, or not the average, but just like someone not probably in that world probably doesn't even think about like word count and stuff like that. But no, I mean, it's, you know, it's, it was fine journalism advice, actually. I, I think I wrote down that, you know, I, I didn't, I didn't hear anything too wrong about what he was saying. He probably should have had her, uh, ask for comment from her dad a little bit better way than through the bathroom door. That probably would not have gotten past the lawyers at a, uh, you know, at Washington post, but this guy went to the Columbia journalism school and then worked at a Milwaukee newspaper. And I'm just curious, how did he end up in Dylan? That's the other thing is like that kind of a career path. Like, is he a creeper? You know, did he flame out at the yeah. Milwaukee paper? Like, how did you like going from deciding, you know what, this isn't for me. I'm going to be a teacher. Like, that's fine. That's admirable. But how do you go from Columbia to Milwaukee to Dylan, Texas? I think Julie's a sophomore at this point. So maybe he's like a Dylan alum and maybe so like their time, like four years of college, presumably a year at the Milwaukee paper. Like that's enough time for Julie to really not have ever kind of known this guy before her dad took the Dylan job. So I guess wouldn't Tammy or Eric have known him theoretically? I guess not if he didn't play football. No, because I don't think Eric really had much connection to the school before he became a yeah, head coach. Yeah, that's true. But we're getting yeah, really I, deep into the career trajectory of Noah. I can't remember his last name. Almost. Noah is it Barnett? Bennett yeah, Barnett. Noah, yeah, 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 yeah. He, uh, I, I don't know. I'll, I'll be interested to see if we see other things from him. I mean, because it seems like based on episode nine, he kind of got uh, written out of the show. Um, they kind of turned to the 
sexual like frustrations between Eric and Tammy and Eric yes. Eric kind of like I'm not saying necessarily like saying like sticking up for himself but like he's just speaking his mind more and Eric said the ballsiest line <laughs> of the entire show <laughs> what did he said you need to pay more attention to your family like yeah basically just like <laughs> hey like you need to start I know you just had our kid and everything but can you please pay attention to the family just like dude you're a high school football coach you don't get to say that <laughs> <laughs> a very devoted high school head high school football coach like, <laughs> no and then the the how dare you that she drops right after he says that line is just ice cold it's a uh, you know the whole like go sleep on the couch thing is uh it's a uh, it's 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 rough seeing it like you hear about it it's rough seeing it <laughs> that I mean, honestly, like if this was not network, if this was an HBO show, it would have been a much, uh, I think, sharper, uh, you know, declarative at the end of that. <laughs> not necessarily a threat, but it wouldn't be go. You know, go sleep on the couch is like a kind of a sitcom trope for husbands husbands in trouble. But I mean, man, God, like <laughs> in real life, I think that would have gotten a lot uglier. Would have been, uh, would have been something. Um, but yeah, the 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 kind of the disconnect between Eric and Tammy is it, I, I want to ask you this just cause I'm watching it and it like, it makes me think like, man, it feels like we keep seeing the same narrative uh, just like Eric and Tammy, just like bad footing, bad footing. And then they kind of make up and yeah. now we're kind of back in this space where like the kind of honeymoon phase of their make, like the making up is over and we're kind of back to bad footing. I'm not saying are Eric and Tammy bad for each other, but like they seem to like go and like, I obviously like this is probably some, some married couple listening to this is just like, nah, it's just marriage kid. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but just like, it, it seems like they go through these like very low lows. Um, and that leads to highs kind of toward the end of the season. But do you, do you sense that like we're kind of seeing a pattern with the, with the two of them? I don't know. I don't feel like any of their fights have, have really been too severe. Yeah, I know. I mean, they, they bicker a lot. I think they're both just extremely strong willed, which is probably how they ended up together in the first place. And, you know, I mean, this is something that we're going to talk about later, but I think one of the most interesting elements of this uh, block is kind of their um, point of views on the Santiago situation. Um, and how, you know, that kind of developed and, you know, how Tammy kind of ended up not folding there, but just kind of like bending a little bit in terms of what she normally would have done, I think. Um, and, you know, we'll see in so far that through episode nine, that has kind of played out pretty well. Um, but, you know, I mean, there's, there's compromise there, I think. Um, yeah. And it's weird. What'd you think? I was gonna say, it's kind of weird that with her, with the Santiago thing that happens and then she kind of goes the opposite way with Tim Riggins trying to make his way back to the football team. Um, what, do you, what do you mean? Like she, like, she's like really like, I mean, I guess Tim goes to her and asks oh, right, her right, specifically yeah. for help, but like she kind of vouches for Tim, which I, and I think in, in a lot of like probably nine out of 10 timelines, she is telling Tim like, Hey, no, like you, like you don't belong on the football team, but in this weird timeline, yeah. she's just like, yeah, sure. I'll, I'll talk to coach. For she, she's, she's very, I'm just not thinking of this. So this may not make any sense, but I feel like she is, when I say she's pro player, I don't mean like she's pro high school football player. I mean it in the sense that like, 
you know, in terms of like a labor dispute between the owners and the players, like she's always going to favor the little guy. Uh, in this case, it also happens to be, you know, literally a, a football player. Um, but, you know, if that meant, hopefully that metaphor tracks for everybody, but I don't, yeah, I mean, I, I think that she in a lot of times would stand up for Tim, but honestly, like he, what, you know, what she did, I don't think we're talking with Eric helped at all. Like it was Tim got himself back on the team uh, through other means, which we'll, we'll talk about later, but um, and boy, were sir, they some interesting means. They were some interesting means. Um, is that uh is that all, is that it for uh, down number one? Yeah, I mean, the Taylor household always seems to have a little bit of a dysfunction, but I, I do think it's interesting that the, you know, the there there's some infighting between Eric yeah. and Tammy, which was, is, I, I just think it's been a re, kind of a recurring thing on the show. And then Julie being upset with the world, which also is just like very much Julie. Um, yes. Can, but, I, can, I, can I give a hot take? Sure. The, 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 I think a lot for a lot of people, uh, including our, our friend, our mutual friend, Seth Prince, the marital dynamics between, uh, Tammy and Eric is, is a, is a popular part of the show. Uh, it's not yeah. my favorite thing. I'm not going to say it's the worst part of the show. Certainly not this season because there are, are, are far worse things. And I, I like it when it's, you know, their worlds kind of collide. But it's, I don't know, I felt like in this block there were some things that they just like, like I don't care, like them fighting about how much or little they have sex is not interesting to me. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like I've had enough of that chatter, I think. Yeah, like the first time I saw it when it was, when like Mac McGill was giving Taylor some advice, I thought like. That was kind of funny. This is, there's some humor there. This is yeah. just sad. Yeah, but it's like Tammy's sister says, you know, if if it's not at least three times a week, then you know, it's like I don't need that. Like, <laughs> there needs to be a, yeah. a bigger point to all this, um, which there usually is not in season two, as as we'll learn. Um, do you want to do a uh, while we're in between downs here? You want to go ahead and do our ep- our uh, alternate episode titles? <laughs> we're we're gonna try. We we both wrote um, all alternate episode titles for uh, for these three episodes to just kind of you know, hopefully spice things up a little bit. New Which, by the way, I think out. the, I, I, as much as I love Friday Night Lights, I think that the episode titles are one of the weaker points of the show. It's I don't pretty think rough. they, like, I mean, they're very like, just like 2000s sitcom, which yeah. it's not a sitcom. It's a drama. Yeah. And it, it feels like, it just feels very corny most of the time. You know what? Let's do, uh, I changed my mind because my, I realized my season two, episode seven alternate title has to do with second down. So you want to, you want to do, let's do it. Let's do it. Let's do it at halftime. Um, okay. Second down is, uh, Matt Saracen's relationships and boy, does he have multiple. Um, he is, I don't even, what's the girl's name. I refuse to remember her name. The girlfriend. Yeah. The, the cheerleader girlfriend, which I was going to say, I'm, I'm glad that you bring this up because for the entirety of the block, uh, well not the entirety of the block the entirety of like the first two episodes it took till the very end of season two episode eight seeing other people for matt to say her name or at least the first time i heard it yeah and her name is lauren lauren Sorry. what a just a boring just a bland name i mean no offense what an to anybody named interesting lauren. character as well just like like we see like a little bit of personality when she's just like trying to help him buy a car but which is super weird right like she they just made her this car expert like well i don't know what the point was like it like i don't feel like it served any purpose other than like this 
now Matt has a way to get around, basically, is the well, only like, point. Because Landry can't drive him around because he's over here confessing for murder. So they needed yeah. Matt to be able to have a car. I mean, that's Landry, the only thing. <laughs> Landry doesn't want to be happy. So I'll say that much. But yeah, Matt, Matt and this Lauren, uh, this Lauren gal, she's a... Uh, She's, she's not for long no and i mean matt obviously i think kind of lauren as we kind of saw in the last block was you know just kind of a rebound i guess is is it still okay to yeah. say is it okay to say rebound i think are you worried about getting canceled yeah i don't want to get canceled for rebound i don't think you're going to get canceled for rebound is a very i've heard i think there are worse things that you could okay do it as. i think rebound well, is just, safe. it seems like you know he's kind of like a, a, I don't know. I think she's happy to be the rebound in this situation. Yeah, like yeah. she's embracing that. She's very committed. She brought him cookies. Yeah, well, she's house. she's done. She she's was tried kissing, to do a lot more than that. He was kissing Carlotta as she pulled into the driveway, but you know, uh, poor Lauren. Do I feel bad for Lauren? I think that's kind of um, coming into play here. I don't know. I mean, didn't she kind of? It kind of felt like Saracen was maybe going to go back to Julie. And then Lauren kind of yeah. scooped in and distracted him from that. Um, I do think that one of the things that is not great on Matt's end is that he's very impressionable and he listens, yeah. <laughs> he listens to smash way too much. Oh my God. I, I wrote down one of my notes. Um, we should go ahead and say, so Matt ends up deciding he's kind of flirting slash hooking up with both Lauren and Carlotta over this what do you think this is like a week qb1 baby <laughs> and then decides to uh end it with lauren um and the way he does this is by taking S- smash's advice to tell her that he wants an open relationship and then she will break up with him which it i suppose is effective i mean it, it, works. it was effective <laughs> it, it worked he didn't come out rosy as smash no. uh, implied yeah and he and saracen kind of let him hear him for that a little bit but i, I don't know i mean I, yeah i mean i wrote down i think that matt's has actually decent instincts with women by this point in the show but he his downfall is that he doesn't realize that he does and so he just listens to smash instead i was gonna say for to matt's credit like he got to pick up smack like a smash like on the side of the road just in his underwear like i think that was like a really funny moment for matt to like put smash in the very like kind of like you need help kind of position yes and then immediately asked for advice yeah right like he immediately went you know in the car ride back and i was thinking about it too like remember the night before smash calls matt in his underwear he is trolling matt with the call from the strip club yeah and it's like, man, if I Which, was Smash, I don't think I would like Matt is like maybe not going to take my call. Like, <laughs> if I'm Smash, and uh, you know, I don't understand why that this college football program is sending their high school football recruits to a strip club, but <laughs> at the same time, why is Matt on his mind? Like, yeah, <laughs> why is why is just like, hey, you know what I should do right now? <laughs> I'm just going to troll my quarterback. <laughs> yeah. He's, uh, I mean, it was. I, I think it was because Matt gave him smack for bragging about it in the locker room after they lost. Yeah, he said but, it was going to be like Cabo in his pants. Yeah, which comes back to bite him. 
so almost literally almost uh, uh no we uh, we just went down a few rabbit go ahead i was gonna say like we probably should like get back to matt yeah <laughs> in his situation well you know smash is often the most interesting thing about matt so <laughs> matt's doing a pretty well good job of keeping his life interesting that's true that's that's a very fair point so yeah i mean we, he ends up hooking up i guess is now firmly in this relationship with his he's like hiding carlotta in his bed as his nurse, grandmother comes into the room who I don't know that like the realism of that scene is like, like I know that she has dementia, but she's not blind. Right. Like, yeah. I, I, I thought it was a bit, a bit strange. I mean, it, it's yeah. a little bit, I don't know. I mean, may, I'm sure there are, you know, she's also old, so she probably is visually impaired to some degree. She's wearing glasses. I mean, you she's think she kind of, could see. she's kind of in her own little world though. I think that yeah. when, she 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 doesn't have the uh, like i don't mean this in a mean way but just like kind of like i i feel like in a way she when she's focused on something she like she kind of has her blinders up a little bit she's yeah just, yeah know, she's not really thinking about everything else going on yeah she I mean, yeah. she wants her her what were they like her, uh something snack wheels snail uh uh uh, I, I whale like, snails or something like that whale snacks or something I don't whale know. snacks yeah whale wi- whale wheels maybe animal crackers probably. yeah <laughs> she wanted her cheez-its her animal shaped cheez-its just um, some snack that she could not get a hold of and honestly i kind of uh kind of respect it man <laughs> sometimes i don't know so what, what do you think of this carlotta deal like i think it's weird from the standpoint the same it like the same well if so kind of buying into the whole like julie noah thing like as like this is weird this is a grown man with a 16 year old girl and this is a presumably you know grown woman in carlotta with a 16 17 year old matt um and so it that part of it rubs me the wrong way there's a lot of like um there's a lot of i guess because like I was gonna say there's a lot of older people just hooking up with high school kids because there's the whole Tim Briggins storyline. So rough. I mean, yeah. Which is funny because like I was um, scrolling through the old Facebook because I hate myself and I saw a BuzzFeed article like the 23 storylines we hate about teen dramas and like one of them was just like high school kids hooking up with adults and I'm like, yep, I do hate that. I do hate that quite a bit. So I'm glad you brought this up. There are no shortage of of, of those storylines and shows from this era i mean well, especially like the, the now we're kind of getting in and this this will be maybe something we touch on a little bit later but like street is also kind of in this position now where he's like dating much older women which i think street is out of high school at this point yeah i mean streets i, I think street would be a freshman at notre dame right now if all had gone to plan yeah and he would you know so it's it's still a little bit weird but it's not like Although his date, got it was a lot weird. <laughs> That's the risk you'd run. I feel like with online dating back in those days, just like you couldn't like, like you really got to know the person when you were like sitting in front of them. You couldn't do a lot of like deep diving on that person. No. One, the, you know, picture quality is so poor into that. You know, not everybody has an amazing camera in their pocket. Like yeah um but yeah did you so i tried to go i while we do this quick tangent on street here i attempted to go to uh, wheellovers.com doesn't exist unfortunately <laughs> i think it's the, a domain uh, we should buy 
<laughs> to be a Friday Night Lights website. <laughs> we should buy that domain and point it to our podcast feed. I don't think that's the <laughs> it's, worst investment. It's in the not world. a terrible idea. I'm sure I'm not the only person that watches that and says, you know what? Let me Google that. <laughs> Maybe NBC Universal gets a little upset about it, but you know. What they Maybe do? wasn't this was this an NBC show the whole time or was it for I think was it all a Fox? Of it for the most part I, I was gonna say NBC. I always get the I'm pretty I'm pretty sure it was on NBC for most of its run I think its last season might have been a different channel How surprised do you think the writers were that they got a um, urine fetish storyline into their NBC show Like how did that, like to get that approved by corporate must have been that was at least an hour long meeting right They must have known that the strike was coming like they must have been like hey let's throw this in there just to see if we can get away with it um because you're right i mean how how did that even get past how did that get like the nbc execs were probably just like sweating and like just like sweating this (laughs) writer strike they had no time to worry about like their third best show on like the on their prime time lineup (laughs) so um, I'm not seeing much more on Saris and I think, you know, essentially he's just in a relationship, you know, where this leads off or ends up is that he's in a relationship with a grown, a grown woman that works in his house. Um, and yes. we'll, we'll find out what happens next week, but I'm excited um, for it. Okay. So we're at halftime. Uh, let's do some alternate episode titles. What do you have for season two, episode seven? The actual title is called Pantherama. Uh, what, what if you were at NBC back in the day? What would you have called it? No, I think this could apply to just about everything on this show, but this episode in particular, I think you could really just call it sexual tension, and it would work pretty well. I like that. Everything going on. I like that. I went a little bit. I I tried. I you know went a little bit out on more of a limb here, and I said um, Saracen kissed two girls, and he liked it. That <laughs> I think Katy Perry would have been very excited for that if she, if she was looking through TV guy and like, oh, I'm in the lexicon. I'm in yeah. the. <laughs> Unfortunately, in the this came out uh, when I think Katy Perry was about fourteen, fifteen, maybe probably. But you know, I, my was, timelines was, are all mixed up. It was it was definitely pre that song, but uh, yeah. you know, just he did kiss two girls in that episode, um, so it, it fit. I don't know. Um, Season two, episode eight. I've, uh, I again went uh, a little off the rails here. I said, uh, Professor Fetish part one. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and there is a part two <laughs> at some point. <laughs> you're uh, you're going to have to edit this, but my alternate episode title is it for, <laughs> for season two, episode eight. Um, I apologize that you'll have to edit that in post, but yeah I, th- I i think it really really is the best way to go on that one you, because what's what's the time stamp right now um because you're recording it we're we're, we're about 33 minutes in 33 so okay you can leave all of this in if you want uh but yeah i i just think that like with everything kind of going on like you kind of see um you kind of see matt just you know he's just kind of torching everything landry's kind of torching his life right now uh tammy is threatening noah like everyone's just like you know just kind of throwing their hands up in the air and they're just saying those two words 
So that's kind of, that was my inspiration there. <laughs> uh, season two, episode nine, mine, I, I don't know what, if you, has yours been mentioned yet in terms of, have we talked about the, the reference? We can save that if not. No, we've talked about it because of, okay. of street, but uh, with Landry, he's kind of losing it. Like t- Tim, it, it, like his life is kind of going this way. Sant- Santiago's is kind of looking this way, but wheels fall off. Um, fall off. Oh, I like that. Yeah. So it's kind of a double entendre with, with old street. I, um, I kind of like that. No, uh, my episode title is, um, we haven't it's in reference to to reagan's situation um it's did you feed the ferrets um that would have been a fun episode title because i would have i would have seen that on the tv guide and been like huh (laughs) i'm gonna watch this now (laughs) i'm betting the answer is no and the answer was no uh but we're gonna talk about riggins in our uh we actually have five downs today we're nebraska coloradoing it uh five downs um but you want to do uh you want to do landry or smash next let's do smash okay so we got smash um man he's got lots i mean his his recruitment has is heating up um i believe season episode or season two episode seven opens essentially with um it's open season on recruits day college coaches can call um his sister is told to take a message for georgia tech um and smash is just like the one university name we get like yeah kind of weird like miami southern and like Oklahoma Southern. Yeah. They just add a direction to the name and they're like, we're good here. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know why they kept Georgia Tech in, but um, they did. And, you know, Smash is eating up every bit of this attention. What what did you what do you think about his situation here with just how would his recruitment have unfolded in 2020? Or <laughs> let's let's go pre-pandemic. Let's just say 2019. If I was a beat writer for a school that Smash was considering, I would hate him, I think. Because I yeah. feel like he would have been like super cryptic on Twitter. He would have been probably he probably would have committed and then decommitted and then just played a lot of mind games. I think he, he would have drawn out the recruitment. What I'm trying to say is knowing how we know Smash, I think he would have drawn out his recruitment as long as he possibly could. He's the guy that has been silent committed to a school for four months. And then when he commits at the Under Armour All-American game, the school that he's committed to, their hat isn't on the table, but he pulls the hat out from like underneath his seat or something. and says, ah, just kidding. I'm still committed to Florida Southern or wherever he's going to yeah. end up at. But he, he, he definitely would have had like a, a Twitter video ready as well. And it would have oh, been poorly yes. done. I don't know. I, I could see, I could see his video. I mean, on some level they're all poorly done but i thought the and this is only because like cbs sports hq did it but like caleb williams the number one quarterback in the 2021 class like his video was pretty good but it was because a major network did it i mean the production value on most of these videos is decent but just the like i don't know i think they're pretty they're inherently bad it's kind of what not I'm to saying. get off on too long of a tangent, but you just saying like the production quality is usually decently good. I I want kids, and if there are any kids listening to this, to realize how easy it is to access high quality camera equipment, and in a very cheap way. Like yeah. it's it's in it's it's insane because like watching now, editing this, software is harder. But. Yes, but like watching Friday Night Lights, you're like, man, this show looks a little bit aged. Like I I feel like 
you know, it's, it's all kind of shot on a DSLR, but like those DSLRs that they use, I think they use a Canon 7D and I'm sorry for going too nerdy, but like it's a camera you could buy now at a pretty yeah. reasonable price. Which I guess you could probably say about any TV show made in any era. From the I mean, past. camera tech has come a long way in 15 years. Yeah, and it makes you think like this show is like, I mean, it kind of like I guess um, this show coming out in like 2006. Like we're 14 years removed. I mean, it's kind of like being a kid in the like growing up as like a teenager in the mid 2000s and watching the fresh prince i mean like this is 10 years old this is an old show but like, i've been watching the fresh prince this week actually <laughs> but like this is an old show like this is yeah it's kind yeah. of weird thinking about it like that but i mean it's very true yeah anyway yeah you're right um i forgot oh yeah we're talking to smash his recruitment um what this the storyline where smash is in a living room meeting with this coach or academic advisor. I'm not, it's not really clear from Howard, right? Or is it just, no, it's not no, Howard. It's, it's, just it's, some a, H, it's just, it's some made up HBCU. Yeah. Um, and his mom is like all in on him, on wanting him to go to this HBCU, um, which is a, something that has come up a lot recently with a lot of people, um, you know, Jabel Hill and a lot and others in the, you know, African-American community have said, you know, high school athletes should start going to HBCUs to kind of take the power away from these traditionally, you know, white administrations that typically dominate college football. Um, it doesn't appear to be happening anytime soon, but that's definitely a conversation that it's still happening now. Um, now in the show, it, they took a little bit of a, a different angle on it, right? It's not to take the, you know, his mom didn't want him to go to the HBCU because, you know, to take the power away from, you know, the, the wider institutions, it was to, you know, get them a better education. Is, was her yeah. But, yeah, definitely. She, I mean, she was looking at it from, I mean, I think she was looking at a lot of it through like an academic angle because she understands like the value and like, this might not be forever, right. but everyone keeps telling smash that like, you're guaranteed you're going to be in the NFL in a few years, Yeah, which, Oh boy, does like the whole, like him saying like, I'm never going to be Jason street. I'm like, Oh man, just wait. Till. Man, there's a lot more margin for error than you just getting paralyzed. Like, <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of other ways that this could go wrong. Just other than that. Which obviously like stuff like the Jason Street thing is like a, you know, one in a, one in a million or whatever the odds are, yeah. on that. but still it's just like, you could get hurt. You could not be as quick. You could just not be good enough. Yeah. Which, I mean, he looked pretty fast running away from that defensive tackle. <laughs> so it's, yeah, you that, know, <laughs> he said if he was being timed, he probably would have ran a three, eight so good on smash for- that was a funny scene i mean it was that, that was a pretty good scene um i don't know the, the whole thing i mean it was it's an interesting storyline and smashes you can see him making a mistake and then i mean the conversation with smash's mom and coach taylor where she's like kind of urging him to take a bigger role in all this um because she can't get through to smash i thought it was pretty touching and and seems like it's going to be effective um I don't and know, he, said, about that? he said as much though too to the players like hey we'll basically be the middlemen for like helping you set up your yeah. recruiting visits and like coach taylor has experience with getting guys to the next level as far as like, at least like quarterbacks like yeah. he helped street he he had helped some other guys but like he knows the process 
and yeah. he wants to make sure that these guys a I think from a little bit of a selfish point of view, he wants to make sure that none of these guys are going to be ineligible for the high school season because they're taking very much a health, a, a, a selfish perspective there. Yeah. But he also doesn't want them to jeopardize their future. And I think the two can be true at the same time and they both can be for good causes. Yeah. So he, and smash being smash, like he wants to be the center of attention. He wants these people to kind of fawn over him and, he gets his way when he takes this recruiting visit, which once again, man, I'm, I feel like watching this, I was like, man, this is crazy. But I was also thinking at the same time, like this is probably pretty tame for a recruiting visit, even though it seems pretty outlandish to watch it on network television. I mean, it was definitely forward thinking, right? Like, I don't know that people were really ready to accept that that sort of stuff was going on in 2005, 2006. I mean, we're still talking about an era in which Kelvin Sampson was fired and, you know, punished for making too many phone calls versus like what Rick, what Rick Pitino would later be fired for. You know, I mean, it's, it's, you know, it became a different sort of scale for what colleges were doing over time. And I, I think the the fact that Friday Night Lights um, was created kind of by the same guy that made the movie, like they really try hard to kind of paint a picture of what this era looked like. Because I think with the movie, they really did a good job with, well, not a great job. Let me take that back. The movie very much skews over like the racism that went on in, in Odessa, uh, at, at Permian high school and kind of that era, the movie definitely glosses over that. But I think as far as like, when you're kind of like looking at like football things and like things that are kind of like universal to a lot of teenagers, it tries to cover that pretty well. And I think Friday night lights the TV show also tries to kind of encapsulate like what these kids are kind of going through is like kind of like a, a time capsule into what it was like going into high school in a small Texas town and playing for the football team Yeah, it tries to paint that picture. Well, yeah. Um, so I think they do a good job of that with, with what I think smash and his recruitment is. Um, and it seems like he's getting quite a bit of attention, like all the stuff he did with like the, the Grady guy with like his list and everything like that. Like, it yeah. seems like he's doing okay for himself as far as like getting attention from college teams. Yeah. I mean, and he's, I mean, obviously, I mean, he's, his sisters are acting like, they're his secretary now, right? Like yeah. they're, they're kind of upset with all that. And that's part of another reason why, you know, his mom went into coach Taylor's office and said, Hey, you need to be, you know, intercepting these coaches. My phone's ringing off the hook. Like you need to figure this out. Um, and really, I mean, is it smash the only actual D one prospect on Dylan's team? Like, yeah, I think, I so. mean, the, we are the, at least we've been introduced to. So, you know, coach Taylor gives this team wide speech, like you're going to have lots of coaches coming down, but really he should just be kind of focused on smash. Right. I mean, um, I mean, I'm sure there are other people that like are going to go Juco or D2 or something, but um, you know, in terms of the high profile stuff, like smash is the one that's going to need the most maintenance. Um, it's definitely top priority. Cause I mean, I, I don't think anyone's taking anyone else on that team very seriously at all i mean not that we know of i mean what's the i mean the the big red offensive lineman maybe i don't know i mean is he seen the red hair yeah that cult that tim calls fire crotch fire crotch yeah it's a I mean, great tim scene. eventually gets recruited but he's not on the team at this point right well he's i mean he's 70 you know what is he like i mean he looks like he's 27 years old but I think so he's I like a he's like a is he a junior 
I think he's a junior at this point. Same age as Smash, right? Yeah. Or so. is or is Smash senior? Well, no, he'd be a junior because you'd start recruiting a you know junior yeah. year. Um, I don't know. Yeah. But uh, I I feel like I'm just like I feel like we should know this, but at the same time, well, no, I guess Riggins is a senior because he's a year younger than Street, right? No, they re like they basically reclassified Tim. They re at, okay at some point like they or not that they reclassify <laughs> him, but the, there's a there's a huge continuity thing with Tim that I think happens along the way, and we'll have a better answer for you at some point. <laughs> yeah, because he's best friends with Street, and now he's like the same age as Saracen all of a sudden. I mean, it's you know it's a little bit. I don't get it off, but um, again, network TV, two thousand five writer strike. You know what, what are you gonna do? Yeah. Um, are we on to our, our, our fourth down here? Um, we are. Joe, this one kind of made me mad. Um, this is the most infamous, the conclusion to the most infamous plot in the show's history, I think. Is that fair to say? Yeah, I think so. I, I think, you know, and, and with that in mind, maybe this should have been better than fourth down, but I think us putting it at fourth down um, sort of highlights our disgust with uh, how this whole thing was handled, but um we finally get landry is just overcome with grief and uh guilt um throughout these i guess uh seven and eight and then he i guess has a christianity talk with lila and lila unwittingly convinces landry to confess and says you know there's nothing wrong you know telling the truth is always the right way she has no you know no clue what she's about to tell landry what to do um and landry all of a sudden goes zero to 60 all in on confessing to this murder. Um, and throughout the whole process just kind of refuses to help himself. Um, despite the fact that his dad is a cop and destroyed evidence for him in the previous block. If you remember that he burned the car. Um, I don't know. I'll, I'll give you the floor. What, what, what were your thoughts on all this? I mean, I don't understand how Landry doesn't understand how, this could very easily be viewed as self-defense. And I feel like most people in their right mind, which I don't think Landry is, but I think most people in the right mind would view this as a self-defense thing. And he just can't see that. And he can't see it in himself to like really help him with like the legal process. And the police are trying to help him. He just doesn't want, not only did he, the guy that he killed was a rapist and now the cops are already trying to help him, but he's the son of, an officer so they're definitely going to try to help him he just won't let himself off the hook and he feels like if he gets let off the hook by the police by the cops by the investigation that you know he'll never i think he just feels like he'll never stop feeling guilty yeah um which is i mean i'm sure a powerful feeling for a 16 year old that murdered somebody um you know i can't imagine what sort of trauma that would unleash um that's not really what i'm frustrated with i don't want to speak for you i mean the the thing that i'm frustrated frustrated with is just like why did this storyline exist because the the problem here is that you know i I guess they realized after they had him kill him is that they either have to have a character that now confesses to murder or is guilty about this and is just carrying this weight for the remainder of the series those are the only two options so that right then you've backed yourself into this corner, right? You know, after you have him kill the guy. And so they say, okay, we're going to have him confess. And then in a two episode stretch, 
it's all going to be wrapped up and a, and a bow is going to be tied on it, right? Like he's, they're not pressing charges. They finally can Tyra and his dad finally convince him to say it was self to admit, you know, or to concede, you know, it was self-defense, no charges. And now this just doesn't get brought up for the rest of the series again. Right. Basically. No. And so like, I, th- yeah. I think a lot of my frustration with kind of the buildup to him telling Tyra that they're not pressing charges and let me preface all of this by saying I'm a huge Jesse Plemons stan. Oh, the acting was amazing in this episode from Jesse Plemons. I, I, oh, were you about to disagree? <laughs> Sorry, I, I shouldn't have interrupted well, you. I no, I was no. Reinforcing. If, if that's how you feel about it, that's fine. I thought at least on that particular scene where he tells Tyra at the end of episode nine that there's not, they're not pressing charges. I thought the execution of that scene could have been way better. Okay, I'm thinking more of the scene where, um, uh, like, in the police station where his dad is, like, trying to physically drag him out. Yeah, no, no, no. That, that part, that's the acting that I'm talking about. That part is fine. I, I, yeah. I think that Plum okay. really taps into another gear there, which I don't yeah. think we probably see enough of. But I think with Tyra, him, you know, just being like, they're not pressing charges like it yeah. just it, it didn't it didn't resonate with me too well as far as like we have all this buildup. like they're showing like the pictures of landry as a kid i'm like oh man if you're watching this the first time you're probably thinking like oh well they got him yeah so then we get this i just thought the execution of it was could have been better and i think that's kind of where the disdain, that's where my disdain for the season kind of comes from is like you have this super dramatic thing and it just seems like a very anti-climatic thing that happens yeah you you just can't have a murder plot be like your your d option right like you got an a plot b plot c plot d plot whatever you know how i don't know how many storylines they try to keep going through all of these episodes but it just always felt like this should have been the most important thing but it was happening to like the seventh and eighth build on the cast you know? I think that's also part of the problem is that like the, it's not happening to Matt Saracen, right? Like, like it, if, it's not, and I'm not saying we don't care about Landry, but I don't think the majority of the audience really cares about Landry. I mean, I, I, they care about Landry as Matt's friend, but they don't care about him as Tyra's boyfriend. But imagine if this was like Tyra and Tim, and Tim like killed this guy. It would have been the most important thing in the show. Yeah, and I think I mean honestly. Maybe the show goes if the show goes a different way with who does the like the the saving of Tyra, and I think they really wanted to put Landry and Tyra together as far as just like Landry's had a crush on her from like season one, yeah. and they're finally together. Um, but I think if you switch out the character of Landry with someone else, which it obviously, I mean, I guess you could make Tim's father, which it kind of eliminates the whole like he doesn't have a father basically or if you make it if you make someone else's dad a cop which is why it makes Landry's situation much more intriguing because like yeah and also kind of shines a light on the you know police which also kind of relevant to 20 yeah we probably we 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 shouldn't (laughs) go through this without at least mentioning that aspect of it which i you know again if this is written now i think that that would have been different i i don't i think you still would have had landry's dad i think you could still could have had him destroying evidence but he's just like a lawyer or something instead of a, a cop i don't know if you've watched it and i won't go into specifics but 13 reasons why I completely ripped the storyline 
I watched the first season of that show, but I don't remember what you're talking about. Yeah, well, you'll if you watch 13 Reasons Why, and if you, I've watched it all the way through, I, I just want to put it out there. Friday Night Lights did it first. If you know what I'm talking about, if you know, you know. But if you don't, watch watch 13 Reasons Why and tell me they didn't copy Friday Night Lights. And I'm sure Friday Night Lights probably copied this from somewhere else. But I'm just saying, Friday Night yeah. Lights did it first. No, I mean, just it's just the whole thing. You can't have your seventh most important character commit murder yeah. and then like devote 7% of the episode to cleaning that up. Like it's just, it's completely unbalanced and you know, the pacing was way off and, but you know what? The good news is it's in the rear view mirror, right? Like we, you know, we don't really have to think about it anymore. Yeah. It's like, it's kind of like driving. How do I put this? It's kind of like driving from Oklahoma city to Dallas. Like there's a part there where it kind of really starts to suck. There's just more. Yeah. Just like, you're just like, God, like, am I ever going to get to the, to the border? And like, you're just like, okay, but this is like, means I'm close, but I still got to get past it. Um, And you're like, Hey, they have like a Starbucks here. And you're just like, yeah, that Starbucks isn't that good. Um, and you're just like, oh, just keep chugging along. We'll get, get to Gainesville. S- is season three, Bucky's. Season three is seeing the Bucky sign. Okay. okay. I think <laughs> I think season four is the Bucky's itself. <laughs> season five is Jerry World. Season five or the Texas it, State Fair. Yeah, yeah, you can put it that Rest way. Which, yeah, we'll get into that later. Um, but as far as the Smash storyline, is there anything else you want to touch? I know we've kind of. I don't think so. We're talking. No, we're talking about Landry, not Smash. Yeah. No, I think we can move on to our bonus down here, uh, which is just, and we've touched on both of these guys a little bit, but just kind of the parallel situation between Tim Riggins and Santiago. Um, Do we know Santiago's last name? I don't believe we do. Or is that his last name? I don't know. Um, I feel like Santiago's a last name, right? Typically. Santiago. I'm just thinking like Benito Santiago was a catcher for the Giants in the 90s. Let's see. Hopefully at least one person gets that reference. This guy didn't. Santiago Herrera. Santiago Um, Herrera. Okay. Yep. Well, they're both um they're they're both in some smoke here. Um who do you want to well, I guess Tim is in a lot more trouble than Santiago is actually kind of ironically in the best situation of his life, unfortunately, um, which he points out to Buddy in a uh, kind of a heartbreaking way as Buddy is like apologizing for this bed that he's giving him. And he says, no, this is the only bed that I've ever had in my whole life. Thank you. That ripped me. That ripped me to shreds. I mean, that is like what sort of, you know, first world problem or, you know, I'm phrasing that wrong, but like how, how better could you put it than, you know, from a privileged perspective that that is how Santiago is, is taking it. Yeah. And I mean, he's, it, it is like the, the best situation he's been in. He's got someone that cares about him. Now how much, you know, that care is predicated on football is very clear. Um, he definitely has some ulterior motives with wanting to help Santiago, but at the same time, you know, just, yeah, it's Santiago becomes appreciative, even though he kind of understands like I'm I'm here to play football. 
<laughs> but he he comes to appreciate what Buddy's doing for him. I think by the end of this block, and it's difficult, I'm sure, to like kind of put yourself in those shoes where you feel like you're just being handed this because this guy wants you to play defensive end. But <laughs> it just, yeah, it's. I mean, th- there's got to be there's got to be so much going through his mind that I think that the, probably the common person could not or at least like a a person that comes from a place of privilege probably could not understand or fathom. Yeah. I mean, it's so interesting. Like the disagreement that Tammy and Eric have over this is like, Tammy, I think has the right um, instinct. And they're like, no, we need to get this kid home first. Like he needs to have like guaranteed dinner and like just general love. And Eric is like, well, no, let's get him plugged into the football team and we can be his family. And Eric, I think, you know, is, 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 you know, ingrained as his motives are into, you know, wanting to help his football team. That's really the only reason he cares. He is using that as a way to help this kid. And, um, you know, it's, I think it's both problematic in terms of, you know, this kid did fall through the cracks and if he wasn't six, five and really fast, like he would have continued to fall through the cracks and that's sad and happens every day. But, you know, Eric did use his position of power to try to help this one kid, uh, which I guess is better than nothing. I, I don't know. What, what did you think of that dynamic? I thought it was, I mean, we kind of get, and what kind of makes Eric Taylor such an interesting character is just how he, um, how he views certain people. And he definitely like, there's a weird, I mean, I, I think the dynamic is a bit, I want to say strange, but like, there, there's some there's some interesting stuff there with just like how they handled the situation especially compared to like tim as they kind of like off like not recording how, how we mentioned but um you know i think that the, there's a little bit of from like eric taylor's standpoint there's a little bit of sense of desperation here with like yeah. looking past the fact that like this kid just needs help um and he needs to be taken care of first but you're kind of seeing the wheels fall off the football team a little bit in terms of they're not good defensively. Um, and that Eric kind of, I mean, he, and obviously it takes buddy telling Eric, Hey, you need to play him um, for him to like actually get into the game. But I think there is a sense of desperation where he's just like, I need some defensive guys. Yeah. And I just need an athlete. So I think that there's some, a, a little bit of, and I, I think they're kind of like you were talking about just, just like, there's some problematic qualities to like how Santiago is treated in this community, but uh, it does seem like, it seems like Tammy, obviously like uh, of all the, you know, of all the people does have the best interest um, or has uh, Santiago's best interest in mind. Um, and you're kind of seeing like some, some people like buddy people like Eric kind of looking at this as like a way to not, you know, they, they are come from a world where football heals everything basically. Yeah. But also we need him to heal our football team. Yeah. So. I just thought of this, like it was Lila that tried to get this is the whole reason that any of this is happening. Like Lila tried to get this kid help and she basically had failed until yeah. buddy realized that he was a good football player. Right. And, or, or the potential to be like an, a football athlete. Like, it took him like putting him like in a pin with a pig uh, oh, or, or a hog or whatever it was yeah. and like chasing him. It was like, Oh, this guy's got some quick feet. Yeah. Uh, which is but so I, 
awful. It's like just Lila was trying to just help this person on a human level, but that's not enough in some cases, yeah. you know, especially in a town like Dylan, which is, I, I think was an actually pretty smart and insightful way for the show to highlight that. Um, they may have backed into that. I don't want to give them too much credit considering it's still season two, but um, I, uh, I don't quite remember. And so this is good for the rewatch. I don't cr- quite remember where we go from here with Santiago, but it's kind of nice seeing him get a little bit of a W like he yeah. helped, he helped change the momentum he, of the game. Yeah. Well, you get, you get that, that emotional conversation with buddy in the car. And I, as it was happening, I was writing down like, Oh, buddy's not handling this very well, but that actually turned out to be wrong. I mean, the tough love strategy that buddy used worked. Um, Santiago yeah. didn't get out of the car. He just said, you know what, let me stick this out. He got a chance in the second half, caused a fumble. Dylan wins, you know, and, and everybody's happy. Santiago's a hero. He's probably going to play again next week. So, um, unless the writers are just see. like, <laughs> we're bored with that. Yeah, unless, <laughs> unless we just never see Santiago again, <laughs> which both are equally possible. <laughs> uh, I, oh my god! Uh, you want to talk about Tim Riggins? Oh, when do I not want to talk about Tim Riggins? So Tim Riggins ends up uh, at Tyre's house because. Um, his brother is still sleeping with the neighbor and he can't handle it. So yeah. he leaves into the tires for a couple of days. Tyra's sister says, Hey, I got this friend that needs help feeding his animals. Turns out to be ferrets. Yeah. Uh, once you go over there, then Tim discovers this guy's meth lab, uh, which is not exactly a, a, up to Walter White standards. Um, I think it was meth. Was it heroin? I don't know. Some sort He's of hard a meth drug. dealer. Meth. Okay. Yeah. Discovers this meth trailer. No, you're drugs. Um, basically is just in a world of trouble now. Um, I, I think it's know. really important to note that this person's name is Guy. Just His name's Guy? Guy Raston. Oh, God. I've been calling him Ferret Dude in my notes. I call him <laughs> Creepy Guy who shows up at gymnastics meet. And uh, is just enthusiastic about it. Way too enthusiastic about it. Played by Joey Oglesby. Pretty good acting performance, actually. You really I mean, sold it. I mean, I think about this quite a bit. I'm like, man, if like I'm, I've well, and this is weird, maybe probably, but I'm just like, there are certain people that they, I don't think they could ever have a Hollywood career unless a show needs a very sp- specific person. <laughs> yeah, and Joey Oglesby, like, man, <laughs> did he swing for the fences? Like, he nailed it. <laughs> found it i found it <laughs> and he got it and I'm, I'm very happy that joey got it. and i'm sure there's probably some other people that you know that were considered for that but like he was he's just so perfect for it like he just yeah he played it so well um everything about it was great so well, yeah i mean i mean it wasn't great but like, like his performance <laughs> yeah like his, I, I, yeah, his character, yeah. Well, I just want the, the viewers yeah. back home to know that i don't think that he's a good person but i do think that the actor like <laughs> the the hot movie, take so. <laughs> <laughs> actually, actually, the guy Raston was a really good character. Uh, no, I mean, I the most interesting thing about this to me is that, like, when Riggins kind of he sees like the meth lab and just like this creepy guy that's creeping him out, and he realizes like, oh shoot, like this could end up being my entire world, and he immediately goes to the football field and says, Coach. I'll be back on the team. Like, what do I need to do? And coach says, nope. And then Riggins starts going around apologizing to everybody. And this is when we get the, the fire crotch reference. 
Yeah. And th- this is when Riggins looks at this poor freshman and says, ah, 4'6". Because <laughs> he can't remember his name. He just calls him by his number. It's also uh, good, good writing on the show's part. I'll give them some credit because I was thinking like, you don't really need to name these football players because Tim Riggins usually just calls them by their number. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I wonder if like in the credits, if any of these people have names. So good on Tim Riggins there for just being like, what's up four, six. Yeah. He, he like thought about his name. was like, man, do I know this guy's name? And after like two or three seconds, he was like, ah, uh, no, I sure don't. Let's just call him by his number. But I don't know. I mean, it was kind of, I don't want to say heartwarming because you know, it's still Tim Riggins and he's not, he's, he's to this point in the show, he's still an, an overrated character. Well, um, my, my, my note on this scene was I'm really glad that they didn't rip off coach Carter and like Eric Taylor was like, you're going to have to do a thousand suicides and 2000 pushups to get you back just had to do team. laundry instead. Yeah. He just was like, Hey, I need you to go score the gymnastics me and then do laundry. And it's like, okay, that's it. But then Riggins uh, keeps living with this guy. Well, he like he does. He still doesn't go back to his house even he, after the mess stuff. He eventually is sent over the edge when when a gun is pointed at him. When he's yes, so <laughs> he has his limits. He has his when he's woken up with a shotgun barrel in his nose. Then yeah, he said, you know what? Maybe I'll I'll get out of here and never come back. But that it's too late now. That guy knows all of his spots. He knows where to find him. Yeah, I mean it's. I don't exactly remember what ends up happening with, with old guy. Um, but season two shut down probably was the best thing for that storyline. That's true. Um, that's another regrettable situation. Um, I don't know. I think Riggins is back on the right path for now, but there's still some derailment possibilities. I think is the best way to say it. The one thing that I, I kind of wish that happened more at this show, and we see a little bit with Tyra and Lila, but they get along in episode seven with planning Pantherama. Um, one thing I, like you don't really see too often with this, other than those two, and I guess you could kind of throw in like Matt and Smash, but they're I think they're friends to their core is you really don't see the bigger like overarching plots. Like it's not like really two people circling each other. Like it's always like they add in someone else yeah. like to kind of like let the, let the recurring character kind of face. And I think that's maybe a little bit, maybe disconnects the show a little bit. Now, obviously you have, you have some storylines. I don't want to say it's without it because there's obviously a big Tim and Jason storyline with, with Lila, but I think this season in particular with the infamous Mike, the rapist who we find out his name is Mike Caldwell. Uh, we uh, should have talked about that with Tyra. Yeah. Which with Landry, we, I mean, we can talk about it right now. I was going to say like, that, that was one thing that was uh, kind of with Landry and I'm, I'm kind of glad that um, we're talking about it now. Cause I didn't want to say like the one thing about like with Landry is just like, he's kind of the reason why I think he's kind of sent off the edge is like, he starts feeling guilty because he's like, Oh, this was a person I killed. And not that I don't think that like in the self-defense that Landry did, that he was like not justified, but at the same time, he's just like, Oh no, like this, this guy was a person. Like this guy had like feelings and emotions. And I took that away from this guy. He had a brother, he had a family. Yeah. Landry. I mean, Tyra probably should not have let Landry go in to that message or to that meeting. Right. Well, 
pro- probably didn't don't send Landry, but at the same time, I, I think it would be it's a lot for like the police to just come ask a sexual assault victim, "Hey, can you please talk to your?" Oh, the whole thing is preposterous. Yeah. Well, and I'm just like it's. I mean, just like why would you? How could you, I mean? I guess like from my like what I'm what I'm thinking is like how morally could you be like ask a victim, "Hey." the guy that raped you's brother wants to talk to you. Will you please come relive that experience? And like, and you're expected to say yes. Like, no, no, that just, it was just such a, I I just thought that was awful. And obviously like it kind of send it, it, it's a device to kind of send Landry further into his spiral. But like, it's just, you know, that, that whole storyline just like it, it rubs me quite a bit the wrong way, just as far as like how it's all handled. Yeah. That's another that's another element to why it's so so dumb and so why it's so held and with so much disdain. Uh, it was just the whole thing's gross. I'm, I'm I'm glad it's behind us. Um do we have any I, I think we're we're good on uh on, on the fifth down there with Riggins and Santiago? Um yeah, I have nothing else on Riggins or, or Santiago. Okay. I, I will say I hope that it, it, it does seem like Tim is kind of once again, kind of like Eric and Tammy kind of go through these spats and then they make up. Tim goes through these cycles where he's like really good and then he spirals. There's just a lot of people that, well, not, I don't want to say like Eric and Tammy are broken, but Tim's a very broken kid who is constantly kind of like breaking and then like has to like find a way to like pick himself up. Yeah. And I'm hoping that we get to a point where I know that um, – I don't know if we necessarily get to it by the end of this season, but I, I hope that there's maybe some more resolution, some more happiness in Tim's life. What uh, do we want to do? Awards, yeah, awards, and then we'll get out of here. Um, what do you have for, I guess LVP? Guess we'll start with LVP. Oh man, do you do you have any candidates? Because like I struggled with I struggled with this one because I feel like there's some uh, like I don't want to say it's like outright. I guess like for reasons I don't want to like say that like what he did was bad, but like like Landry just handles the situation poorly with yeah the whole murder thing, and I get that he's going through like a, a, tra- a traumatic the reason yeah. the reason why I, like I'm hesitant because I don't want to say like he's uh, just kind kind of the name least valuable player. I'm not saying that like what Landry's um going through is like you know it makes him not valuable to the show or anything like that, but I think as far as just like his character. He's not handling this well. Um, he's really just kind of spiraling and keeps like self-destructing. And I think if like, if it, I guess like if you kind of look at it as like winners and losers of the episode, like Landry's just like, like as far as like furthering his cause, yeah. like, he, he is doing a very poor job of it. I would agree with you, except that by the end of it, he came out, he's no longer, he's no longer feeling guilty and he's not going to prison. So I kind of feel like he, he didn't win the episode, but I don't, I don't know. I mean, it, he definitely took the long road to get there, but I think, uh, I, I wouldn't call him the loser. I actually, I have kind of a, a hot take here for this. Okay. Um, I feel like Tammy is the LVP. Probably the it. only well, time in show history. I thought, I thought about that. I mean, she definitely like with the Julie situation, like with Noah, like she doesn't handle it well at all. Even, like with Glenn, like, her you know with eric fighting over how much time she spends with glenn uh she doesn't really pick up any w's like even asking tyra and lila to plan the pantherama entertainment kind of backfires on her because they 
turn it into a strip yeah. show. Like I, I just I don't think she. I think it was just like four straight losses in this episode. Let, for, let's go for with Tammy because I, yeah. I, I, I don't. I feel kind of bad giving it to Landry. I just I think as far as like a guy that really struggled through all this, like yeah, it's his character definitely struggles the most. Uh, Matt Saracen overthinking award. Um, we didn't even talk about this advice from Smash, but like Smash told him to set boundaries or something with Carlotta. Yeah. And Carlotta was just like, shut up and kiss me. Like, shut up. Just stop talking. Like, <laughs> she kind of stopped him before it could really get worse. Um, she just kind of realized like, oh, yeah, you're 16. Let me just tell you to shut up and be quiet. Um, I actually think that um, I think the, the my candidate for this would actually be Tim Riggins, which I don't think he's ever gotten before. But I think with the the beginning when he moves out from Billy because he can't stand seeing Jackie, I'm like, Man, you're really like, I know, I know that you had feelings for Jackie or like you had yeah. a, like a relationship, but like you cost yourself so much like heartache or not heartache, but like being around Guy Raston and like just like all these kind of problems that kind of came with moving out, like could have been avoided if just like you can just sleep at your sleep at your home, but like you don't have to be there during the day is kind of yeah. what I'm trying to say. Like, just, like, try to avoid Jackie, but, like, don't, like, get, like, just completely light your life on fire just to be away from a girl, like, you were intimate with, like, for a few episodes. I think that's, I think that's right. I think that's pretty reasonable. Um, Yeah, I I think I would go with Riggins, too. It's it's fun to give this award to somebody that's not Matt, right? (laughs) It usually is Matt, though. It usually is Matt. That's why we, that's why it's named after him. Um we have an insult i don't know that we have a great a great insult this week i i think matt throwing the it's going to be like cabo in my pants back and smash his face <laughs> that is, was a pretty good one yeah it's a really good full circle moment um monologue of the week i'd probably go with buddy's speech to santiago in the car on the side of the road yeah i'm good with that i think that's i think that's there uh you may not have caught this. There is a cringy pop culture reference. Do you know what it is? I have, I have one written down. What do you have? Um, when they're going through wheelleverage.com and Turk says, Charlene's got a link to her MySpace page. Um, I did not catch that. Yeah. Wow. That's pretty good. Um, so in the mine is, and I, I think I like yours better, but I, I want to shout this out because it's <laughs> so ridiculous. Um, whenever they're in the first like newsroom meeting with Julie and the other kids and um, the teacher's like talking about a feature story or whatever. And this kid's like, the knife has never played anywhere in the state of Texas. Do you know what the knife is? I I actually don't. That went over my head quite a bit. It is. I didn't know what it was. I looked it up. I mean, I assumed it was a band just based on the context and it is. Um, They're a Swedish electronic music duo from Gothenburg formed in 1999. Any Why relation? is this reference on Friday Night Lights? <laughs> I was gonna say, is the is the Swede involved? Oh, that's because <laughs> the Swede I think was a part of like a kind of a weird like alt rock duo or something like that. That would be funny if he was. Um, do we know what the Swede's name is? I don't think they ever give him a name. No, the actor. Oh, you could look it up. Really, it's. He's not Swedish. I can tell you that much. Um, 
Well, then no, because these are it's Karen Dreiser and Olaf Dreiser are the ah, people okay. that are in this band. Um, There's probably- it was just so ridiculous. Like, why would they? This group gained a large international following in response to their 2003 album Deep Cuts. Ooh. So they, they were kind of one-hit wonders, it sounds like. Um, and I guess this show was pretty similar to after that. But I have great. one other cringy pop culture reference, um, which comes from uh, Mindy. Mindy, uh, Tyra's sister, who is oh, okay. talking with Tim. And this is, I believe, in episode seven. She's talking to Tim, and she's just talking about the strip club, and she's complaining about one of the new dancers who had the audacity to dance to devil went down to Georgia, which Mindy's Mindy then says that is my signature song, which <laughs> can we talk about how a stripper signature song is devil went down to Georgia. It's um, my signature song. I find this Get cringy because this song came out in 1979 and I don't think in any cut of a 2020 TV show probably makes any reference to it, but I feel like it's at a time where, I don't want to say music's at like a standstill, but like, it's just like a, yeah. it's just like a thing where like, this is to that generation. That's a, that's a big song. The only reason why I'm familiar with this song at all is because it was one of the guitar hero songs. Did you play guitar hero back in the day? I did. Yeah. No, that was definitely, that was definitely a lot of my childhood. Yeah. I believe that was a guitar hero song. If I'm not mistaken, you're looking at me like I'm wrong. Oh no, I'm, I, I well I, I don't I'm sorry I wasn't looking at that in particular I was looking through my notes um no I, I don't remember it being a Guitar Hero song maybe though. I'm am I confusing it with something else I feel like I'm just pretty sure maybe it's possible it's, I, it's possible I'm confusing it with something else but it's very possible but I just thought that was really funny and I think if me and you Spencer ever ran a Friday Night Lights trivia night at let's say um o'connell's in norman or you know for texas sake let's say like chimneys in fort worth texas sure. um and we did this i definitely think one of the like hard questions would be what is mindy's signature stripper song and <laughs> it would have to be multiple choice right <laughs> no this would this is like a this is this a is deep like, cut okay <laughs> this is like a like this is like five times the points if you can get I, this one because i watched the show last night and i didn't even pick up on that so i imagine well, I, thought <laughs> I don't was, I, I don't I know that anybody so would get there, there. Uh, it, just, it just caught me off guard because it was so out there speaking of out there i'm I, this is off topic but i'm just realizing that buddy told that friend you know that friend of his at santiago runs a four four forty kind of absurd just a little, bit, a little bit on the absurd side um who's the mvp joe oh man <laughs> a lot of ways you could go with this one i think um, i mean who are, who are the candidates um do, i kind of do we consider I, matt a candidate because like that guy yeah i mean matt's kind of got what he wanted and he gets to like kind of clown on um on smash for a second a little bit he gets yeah. kind of some comeuppance. Um, I feel like Santiago's a candidate. Oh, for sure. For I mean, sure. he's he maybe didn't play enough to. I try to think to of get like this. the bigger characters definitely for this. Kind yeah. Of I mean, Coach Taylor just kind of had a. Uh, I don't know. I, it was kind of an average block for Coach Taylor. I don't know that he did a whole lot. Um, I don't think it's Coach maybe Taylor. Matt. I think I think it yeah, might be I, I think, I think, of, it's, of all the, I think it's Saracen. 
kind of like with like my thinking with like i don't know if he's like by definition of like most valuable player it's just the title of it but like the guy that furthered his cause the most this is where bench yeah. mode game of thrones really comes into play like who furthered their cause the most like really yeah kind of where, where where my thinking is but like matt really pushed um to to a degree of like getting what he wanted um the team is back on track he's with carlotta which he has been wanting to uh he's wanted he's wanted to like you know i guess i don't know date her is the correct word but like he's wanted to it's it's a word that you could use um but he's like (laughs) one he's he's wanted to be intimate with her for quite some time and uh it's very much reciprocated which is great although they're or as far as just like what they're doing but at the same time like she is presumably much older and he's a high school kid so there are very problematic problematic yeah um so there's that but um i'm gonna say it's i think it's a joy what if we want to avoid the problematicness of it i mean we could we could give it a joint effort to matt and santiago yeah i mean i'm very much on board with giving it to santiago it kind of goes off brand just as far as like giving it to um smaller characters but for a show that is uh not done a great job with um I don't want to say rep- representation, but just like it does feel like the the two Hispanic characters we've had both have had like very troubled past, and I'm glad that they're yeah. finally like okay, we'll give Santiago a little bit of a bone here, let him get a W. I think so, the representation. I say this as a, as a white man, so take that for great smallest grain of salt. But I feel like the representation has not been the problem, but it's been the. Uh, I guess the framing of those that they have re- represented, right? Like, like you said, I mean, what was the, um, what was the kid's name that got in the fight? I keep on um, calling Ch- Chavez, but that's the movie character. Um, um, so I feel like it starts with a B. I yeah. don't know, but yeah, I mean, they kind of did him dirty. Right. And then like, Oh, you know, super dirty. Yeah. I mean, and like the two most prominent African-American characters in the show are smash and voodoo. And who are they both be- very much like villains yeah and even smash's mom like there's a lot of stereotypes being fulfilled there um and yeah it's at times villains although smash has kind of a a uh, a rebound but um yeah i don't know i mean it was it was what the equivalent in 2005 it was like you know a for effort basically was the only bar that you have for diversity um so thankfully we've progressed beyond that at least to a certain extent with you um spencer is that i think we i think that's it joe i think i think we're back we're back we're back baby texas might not be but we are back we texas is most certainly not um so yeah this was uh i'm glad to to be podcasting with you again even though it's on zoom which every podcast you probably listen to at this point is being recorded via zoom shout Um, out to zoom man shout out to zoom it's it's honestly um a lot better on my pockets than like when i would like go visit you in oklahoma city and like would just like impulse like well you know i'm while i'm in oklahoma city i might as well get empire pizza um <laughs> it was right by my house i'm sure that was a yeah a difficult that, that <laughs> it was like i mean I, you could walk there from my house almost I'm so sure a... um but yeah no it, it was a it was good talking with you buddy and man. good talking friday night lights again of course man we're gonna be back uh next week
And I know that you we are. Uh, you should not. <laughs> we you promise. Know, <laughs> we should not take our word for it. We'll just have to prove it to you. But uh, we're gonna. Yeah, we'll 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 be back next week. <laughs> well, we appreciate you guys for listening once again. Uh, subscribe to Friday Night Lights on all major podcast spot or Taylor Made on all major podcast platforms. Also, Friday Night Lights. Uh, yeah, subscribe to them too. <laughs> um, if you want to leave us a five-star rating and review on the Apple Podcast app, uh, that'd be greatly appreciated and gets the word out about the show. So for Spencer Davis, my name is Joe Bettner. Clear eyes. Full hearts. Can't lose. Let's go. <laughs>